You're listening to DraftKings Network. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So yesterday was a swift kick in the nuts. Why? I mean, it's, you're used to it. That's what happens to the Jets every f***ing year. Um, you ever been hitting the nuts? Yeah, I have been hitting the nuts. You, you know it hurts? You know, <laughs> yeah, it hurts? know it hurts? It's a delayed... Is it's it gonna hurt? Reaction. Is it gonna hurt the next time anyway? <laughs> yes, it takes a second to, uh... But here's what I would tell you. When you get kicked in the balls, it takes like a second to get to your brain. You know what I'm saying? It's like yep. stubbing your toe, okay? And so I've been kicked in the ball so many times. I don't stub my toe that often. But the Jets have kicked me in the ball so many times that sometimes it takes like a day or two for me to start <laughs> feeling the pain. <laughs> but yes, I, I, I know the pain you speak of. Why? So, so take me through your day. What happened? Listen, like, just, just, let's just do insult to injury. Nobody wants to hear about anybody else's fantasy football team. But I'm in the big money championship. And right. I, like the genius that I am, say... You know who I'm going to start a quarterback this Mike week? White. Mike f- White. Yeah. Yeah. Asshole. Well, he went from Mike f- White to fucking Mike White. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have so, a quarterback in any yeah. form or fashion. And this season has been a complete disaster for the Jets. It's the worst type of season because we listen. There's some good young talent on the team. 
but they were good enough to keep us interested basically the entire season and flirt with a playoff spot, but not good enough to get it done and get into the playoffs. And now they're left with like the 18th pick in the first round of the draft. We suck. <laughs> I mean, I hopefully, mean- Mikey, here's the only hope. Derek Carr. Or one of these veteran quarterbacks thinks, hey, you know what? That team's good enough. I want to be in New York. I'm going to go there and finish out my career there. It could be. I mean, that could be a possibility. Five weeks ago, I was like, I was like, there. Patrick Mahomes might look at this team and be like, you know where I want to go? Like, trade me to the Jets. Look at that team. Right now, I'm like, why the hell would Derek Carr want to come here? Well, I mean, Vegas doesn't want him, so they've made that clear. Sure, but I mean, like... Why Why here over Carolina? Why here? I, I, I look at the team, and five weeks ago I would have said, there is not a hole on this team that is glaring. And now I look at this team and I go, tear the whole thing down. No. Mike White. Mike White could have been our starter, and then he has one admittedly awful, terrible game. And we're like, well, next. Yeah, well, no, it has to be next because we know Mike White's not the answer, okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if there's an answer on that team, I know you don't, I know you don't want to hear this today, Mike, it's Zach Wilson. I don't know if no, he's I, the answer or not, but Robert Sala has totally f***ed that up beyond repair, and I'm not certain it can be repaired. I'm not certain if you're Zach Wilson, I'm not, why would you want to be a Jet, honestly? I, I disagree that Robert Sala did it. I, I think Mike LaFleur did it. I mean, you had two years to develop the number two overall pick, and he has not gotten any better. Correct. And the offense has no identity. And I, 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 I Mike LaFleur is the guy I think, if any changes happen this offseason, I think that's the guy. Well, I think that's an obvious one. Salo's not going anywhere. He'll, he'll, get a, uh, he'll get a third season and probably deserves it. Uh, he does. Yeah, so he's not going anywhere. But the big question is, for the Jets at least, um, and, Mike, you make a good point. Like, I don't know if you're a quarterback, you want to come into this division, have to deal with Josh Allen for the next 15 years. I don't know. Uh, and the Buffalo Bills and the Dolphins, who are a very good team. Mm-hmm. But this gets down to what it always gets down to for the Jets. 40 years I've been watching this team. We've never had a quarterback. Consistently, we have never had a great quarterback. Have we had a year of Brett Favre or a half a year of Favre? Sure. Did we get a couple of decent years out of Mark Sanchez? Sure. Did we get some solid years out of Chad Pennington? Absolutely, 100% yes. But we've never, ever had an elite quarterback. Ever. Never. Think about that. In the 40 f***ing years that I have invested in this team, we have never had a very good to great quarterback. Haven't had one. Haven't had one. And that is so disappointing on so many levels. It is. I mean... the, the, the problem is they're going to come into next year with the ever-scary playoff mandate for the GM and the head coach. It's playoffs or you're fired next year for both of those guys, and it should be because it's been over a decade. Right. You're right. What else made you sad besides your fantasy team and the Jets? I'm football oh, out, man. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't pick a winner to save my life in, in right. Some of my bets, I, I, it was just, it was one of those, like, it just kept getting, I just kept getting kicked in the nuts yesterday. I got a, uh, well, wait, Gojo's going to join us in a second. I have yeah. a great bet. It's not even a bad beat. I made a mistake and I tried to correct it with the bookie. <laughs> but they're always so, so forgiving. <laughs> there he is. Yeah.
But look at him. Look at Coach. Like, you can't be miserable when Gojo enters the enters nah, the zoo. Nah, he makes me smile. He's uh, like Greg Cody. He has the Greg Cody effect on me, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Are you miser- miserable Monday, Stu Gatz? What's going on? Uh, I mean, listen. I mean, besides, I guess, honestly, the Jets, I get. But. Well, yeah, but I'm used to it. Mike said it was a kick in the nuts. And I said, yeah, but you know the first time you get kick in the nuts, like, there's a delayed reaction. You feel it a couple of seconds later. But the Jets have kicked me in the nuts so many times that sometimes it takes like three or four days for me to feel it at this point, you know? Stu Gatz, I feel like at this point, because of a lifetime of being a Jets fan, you're like those karate guys that you see who can just take repeated kick to the nuts right. and it just doesn't affect them at all. Yeah, exactly. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at your kick in the nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's all that's all you got. Sallow. <laughs> <laughs> oh... So then Mike started talking about his fantasy woes, and no one cares about your fantasy team. Mikey A did, and then he got into his gambling uh, woes as well. He couldn't pick oh, a winner. He had a doozy weekend. It was, it was a rough weekend for your boy. Yeah. Oh, I'm also a Michigan fan. You made, you, made your, you made your bed with that life choice a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that, that, <laughs> that Mikey, Mikey A took me right into a great gambling story, so I guess we'll start here. Okay. So I am I am currently pulling up my account so I can give you. This, <laughs> <laughs> this is laugh out loud funny, Gojo. I mean, it is, but it isn't. All right, hold on. Uh, history. I don't want to view my history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I hope. I can't wait for everyone who watches this on YouTube to watch Stugatz's demeanor physically change when he pulled that up. He lit up like a Christmas tree. So I want to give you this five-team, one-hundred-dollar parlay. Okay, I'll save the mistake for last. Let Let me just preface the story by telling you guys. I had, mm, I, I, I'm trying to say this in a way that won't reveal just how much I gamble, okay? All my courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. <laughs> I had a lot of money on the New York Giants, okay? Straight up. Was my best bet. And then I had the Giants wrapped in like, I don't know, three or four different parlays, okay? So there was no scenario on the front end, just so we know, that I was placing any sort of bet that um, included the Colts. Got it? So here we go. Five-team parlay, $100. I have Jacksonville, minus three and a half. Easy cover. I have the Lions, minus four and a half. Perhaps the easiest cover of the day. Okay. I have the Green Bay Packers, minus three. Mm. It's a winner. I have the Chargers, minus six. That's four teams, four winners. I already know what you did. I mistakenly clicked on the Indianapolis Colts, plus five and a half, instead of the Giants, minus five and a half. No! No! I did the bookie at halftime, and I told him, hey, <laughs> look at everything I bet today. Does it seem to you like I like the Colts? <laughs> so I said, I'd appreciate, you know, been a customer for years. I'd appreciate it if you guys could fix this for me. My intention was to take the Giants, okay? I'm going to tell you how much it would have paid me. I'm going to tell you what the bookie said to me. 
Mike, this would have paid me $1,917. Oh. I know. He said, uh, I won't meet you halfway. I'm certainly not giving you 1917 But I'll make the bet go away entirely. You get $100 back. Wow. I, I told him to shove it up his ass. <laughs> I don't want his $100 back. Go Sam Ellinger. <laughs> Oh, man. I appreciate you standing on principle at the end of all this. Thank you. Well, I mean, listen, at the and then I cooled down a little bit and I said, all right, I'll take the hundred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing better than a good push somehow, oh some way. Oh, my God. $1,917 oh. if I click on the Giants. What a moron I am. Man, that's... uh. That's a real that's a real kick in the dick right there. Having to watch Brian Dable celebrate after that game, knowing full well it could have been you right along with him. Exactly right. Uh, what are you doing in that spot if you're the bookie? Like I've been a customer for many, 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 many years. Handed him many, many, many a dollar. What do you do in that spot? Yeah. See, this is like everyone's different philosophies. So my brother owns a gym. And him and his wife are always the good cop, bad cop when it comes to this stuff mm-hmm. because she's more of the hard ass with people that have not shown up on time for workouts or had something else that like they canceled a class late. My brother is always the one that just leads with, Oh, Hey, here, we'll throw you a free class or something like that. Wants to keep them coming back. Figures a little bit of honey is better than doing it with vinegar in that spot. So I would have probably, I would have probably leaned on meeting you somewhere in between like, not just the hundred dollar refund, but certainly not the full amount there. Just right. leave you feeling good there, because again, over the long period of time, that guy's going to make way more money if you keep coming back. Now, at this point, it doesn't sound like he's at risk of losing you as a client, no matter what. So maybe he just knew he had you trapped. I gave him three options: meet me, give me the entire thing, meet me halfway, or give me the hundred dollars back. He chose the option I didn't want him to choose, and so I am thinking about changing. I got to be honest with you, I have I have issued a threat, Mike. <laughs> hey, what about giving you at least a thousand or whatever half of nineteen ten is? There are plenty of other places. Like it's legal now. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I can say just slowly slide on the DraftKings hat and be like, "So what exactly are we talking about here again?" Stugatz, I'm amazed the negotiator in you actually gave him that third option. I know it was, that was a terrible job by me. I didn't think he would choose it. To be honest with you, I, I really your second I, option should have been get rid of the giant game, keep the fourteen parlay. Ah, right. listen, that should have been your option. Uh, listen teaser okay for later on this week negotiations are not done yet okay i have threatened to pull my business okay (laughs) so i am waiting to hear back i feel like there's there's like a playoff committee okay it's like a gambling committee uh and there it's under review right now okay so i I love i love the idea of the gambling committee as like you felica yeah um Throw in uh, Stanford Steve. Stanford Steve's got to be in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a trustworthy group. Um, Sheridan. 
Sheridan. Uh, Sheridan. Yeah, sure. Musburger. <laughs> Musburger. He found, he's the founder. <laughs> he just he just sits in the back room and doesn't say anything all meeting. And then at the end, he's like the uh, he's like Caesar and Gladiator. He just has the thumb and he decides one way or the other. I feel like if it's a tie, it goes a tie goes to Musburger, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the nuclear codes. They gotta take yes. out two keys, put them in the same time, and it unlocks his room over at Vison. Um, amazing. I'm very, uh, I'll keep you posted. In fact, he might text me back before we're done here because I just sent them another one. Like I just sent them like two question marks. Like I'm waiting for a response. <laughs> there we go. How many, is this, is this like Mikey C territory where you've now sent him like four unanswered messages? No, no, no. He's responsive to his credit. Um, okay. If you're wondering what we're talking about, we left ESPN two years ago. Mikey C hasn't stopped texting me, and I haven't responded once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because the next time I speak to that man, it will be on the air. Which I will, and when we do that, I will proceed to read every single text that he sent me to you, yes. Mike Golding Jr. and you, Mikey A. And if we can get Stanzik on, I'll read him to Stanzik as well. Okay. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. You know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Ah, I don't remember it like it was yesterday. Sitting back in my dad's pickup truck, me, my dad, Pappy. It's my granddad, I used to call him. Fishing at the pond. I remember dad and Pappy going back and forth saying, what is it about this new Miller Lite? Is it that it's less filling or is it the great taste? What I wouldn't give to go back to those times. But you know one thing that Miller Lite does? Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com GBF. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Lite Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs and premium regular beer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mike, this was, uh, what an amazing weekend. Um, was it the best college football weekend of the, it was certainly the best semifinals we've ever seen, right? When, Mike, when you have a game as good as TCU, that first game, okay, TCU and Michigan, when you have a game that good and it's the second best game of the day, you've had yourself a semifinal, my friend. It's the one we needed, quite frankly, because you're getting ready for expansion to come in 2024 and all you'd had, I think they said prior to this, we had had two college football playoff semis that had been within a touchdown as the result. The rest of them have been ass kickings. And so you needed something to give people hope that an expanded playoff wouldn't just be more of the same. And man, you got it. Like you said, considering the stakes, the fact that this is to go to a national title, that you had a TCU team that was here for the first time, that was seen as a large underdog in this game. This was one of the best college football games. I think we've had football days that we've had in a long while just because 
best games and the biggest moment for the ultimate prize. Yeah, TCU, man, if you haven't been watching them all year, they played that game the entire season. That game, And they are big, Mike. Like, physically, they are imposing that team. That's why I didn't understand so many people who went the route. And listen, we saw TCU was clearly fired up by some bulletin board material from J.J. McCarthy and the Michigan guys who said we were going to try and bring the Big Ten to the Big 12. Everyone talked about TCU structure on defense. I'm like, did we not all remember when college game day went to Lawrence, Kansas, and Pat McAfee's sitting there freaking out on the set because the TCU team just walked by and he's blown away by how big these dudes are. Like, They're still football players in Texas. They're big as shit along both lines of scrimmage. And, I mean, uh, you're right, Stugatz. This has that was a rude awakening for anyone that for some reason hadn't paid attention to one of the best stories in football all year and didn't realize that that is that's what they do. They MacGyver victories together with multiple pick sixes in this game and the way they went about it. But they play a physical brand of football up front on both sides. Yeah, it's uh, they got those two big they got was it two pick sixes in that game, Mike? Two. Yep. The defense isn't great, but they. They make plays. They make a couple of plays that keep them in games or win them games. And the offense and that quarterback is really, really good. You know, it is interesting to kind of to kind of see this because the Big Twelve has sort of seen this like defensive revolution in the last four or five years, going all the way back to Iowa State switching to the defense that everybody runs. And I feel like there's still a lot of people that look at the Big 12 and just think, oh, it's a shootout all the time. And it's still like it used to be like, no, that's the SEC West now where everyone's throwing in time and space. The Big 12 has a bunch of really sound defensive coordinators that are there. Like you said, this is a team that's overwhelming strength is the offense but defensively going into this game I said you had a really good defensive backfield you have two good corners and Travis Hodges Tomlinson and Josh Newton and Bud Clark had himself a freaking day another guy that's really solid on that back end and for some reason Stugatz I don't know why Michigan felt like that was where they wanted to go early and often in this game. We didn't get a J.J. McCarthy their quarterback Michigan's quarterback rushing attempt from him till the third quarter That's one of his biggest strengths. That's part of the reason you brought him in this year. And so I was as impressed by TCU as I was perplexed by some of what Michigan did play calling-wise in the first half. To that end, is this a TCU victory or is this a Michigan loss? I know that's kind of unfair to say to TCU. They ultimately did win the game, but like that wasn't the Michigan team we saw all season. No, but part of that's because of what TCU did. So I got to give T that's that's a TCU win because also in the second half, like we had a 44-point third quarter in this game. And every spot where it looked like because the bill on Michigan or the billing on Michigan was supposed to be, they had now been here before. They had now gotten the experience on this big stage. And so this should be less for TCU hadn't even been to a bowl game in God knows how long for most of these players. This was going to be their first bowl game in years. So you're preparing in a way that you haven't before. Like as someone that did the long layoff between games and then saw the difference in preparation from one team to another that had been there in Alabama versus us, that shit matters and just knowing where you're going. And so Sonny Dykes and company managing to get them prepped like that and for them to then survive every blow that Michigan shot their way. Like TCU had turnovers and Michigan off those turnovers was bombs away, big plays every time. And Teams with less metal and less nuts about them would have panicked and probably shit themselves. And TCU just managed to respond every single time in a different way. It was nuts. 
Uh, Mike, that first drive, uh, Mikey, yeah, to answer your question, that's a TCU win. I mean, they're up 14 nothing. Like, they gave it to me. Listen, they played with Michigan, That's um, and they're a good team. It's I think what's confusing for a lot of people, Mike, and I'll get back to what I was going to say in a second, is you saw Alabama play Kansas State right before that. Kansas State beats TCU. Alabama just destroys uh, Kansas State. And like, I feel like the winner of this game, Georgia TCU, should have to play Alabama. But I think a lot of people were confused by everything, you know, just because Alabama right before that. Like, how is that team? You're watching that team going, how is that team not one of the four best teams in the country, you know? Yeah, I mean, listen, Alabama's got no one to blame but themselves, right? Because in critical moments, they played below their standard this year. And it was once you saw Bryce Young and Will Anderson, two guys that are both in the potentially number one pick conversation, decide to come back. That should have told you everything you needed to know about how Alabama was going to approach this game. I also think Stugatz, part of that was us looking at the results of conference championship weekend and the Michigan Ohio state game and not necessarily remembering how we got there because everyone looked at the final score of Michigan, Ohio state and said, wow, what a physical ass kicking by Michigan over Ohio state. Not really like Michigan had a lot of big plays in the passing game. They popped some big runs at the end, but go back and cut that game on and you're watching the team in Ohio State colors move the line of scrimmage on both sides a little bit more than they got credit for, especially defensively. And so I don't think Michigan overwhelmingly whooped their ass up front. And then Big 12 championship game, same thing. You cut that one back on. TCU's winning the line of scrimmage. Will Howard, the quarterback for Kansas State, and those receivers made some big plays in that game. Kansas State defensively certainly has some shit to them. And listen, familiar opponents, right? They were playing for the second time that season in a game where Kansas State had won earlier. So there's all sorts of differences there. But I walked into this game going, TCU is more physical than they are going to get credit for because of that last result. And Michigan's a very physical team, but I think it was going to get overstated that advantage based on the final score of the Ohio State game, less so than what actually happened on the field. Uh, my major issue I have with Harbaugh, that opening drive, that's where I was headed right before we uh, we hit that tangent there. Uh, fourth and goal decides to go for it. I'm fine with that. Do me a favor. You're the best running team in the country. I know Quorum's not there. Run it down their throats. I don't need a trick play reverse pass to Jesse McCarthy. Harbaugh, run the ball down their throats if you're going to go for it there. No? Oh, Stugatz, mind-blowing. You've got their their offensive line won the Joe Moore Award that goes to the best offensive line unit in college football two years in a row. Right. Like, that's your identity, to your point. Let them go downhill. Now, so that did start things off on a very strange note there. And also, if you're going to run a trick play, we got to retire Philly special. Yeah. Got to, like, it's been done too much. Everyone knows it's coming. My caveat is the only way you should go into a game running Philly special is if you're willing to run it twice because no one will ever expect that second one coming and the balls on you to run it again would be massive and i would support <laughs> that but running it once no we got to put an end to that are they dumb enough to run it a second time no yeah. <laughs> no be coordinator in the country is going to get ready for that critical situation and go surely they're not going to run philly special a second time part duh like there's no way in hell so that's where you zig when everyone else zags mikey a put it on the poll if you have the ability to do so billy Joel's <laughs> not here okay <laughs> does everyone know the philly special's coming <laughs> and is the philly special more effective the second time around than it is the first time around <laughs> those are great uh, questions actually <laughs> hey listen i just we're here we're here to ask the tough questions too guys uh, oh my god uh, show of hands if you woke up the next morning shocked that Georgia had pulled that game out. <laughs> Me! 
I was sleeping. Oh man. Oh, you did. So you didn't make it up for when it timed perfectly with the ball to drop. Did you hear about that, Stugatz? No. Kirby Smart called a timeout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. So let me let me fill you in. Kirby Smart called a timeout to ice the Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles for the 50-yard attempt. And when he did, I started looking down at my phone and someone went and synced it up. It almost, and I, I saw um, Fowler and Herbie talking about it after. Fowler, incredible flex after all these games with Herbie, does a post-game breakdown on Instagram from inside the Wheels Up private jet. And make sure you know, this is very much a private jet. So it's like him, McAfee, um, um, Pollock's in there too. But they're all inside the PJ breaking this game down. And Fowler's like, if you lined it up, that kick got struck in 2022 and missed wide left in 2023. It was like that on the nose for midnight. Wow. Uh, douchey or no, <laughs> do that from, from from a private plane. I mean, it's something I would do, but, but you know. Yeah, I mean, it is unless you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> All of a sudden, in that same situation, if I'm on that plane, I'm leaning in and making sure Fowler gets me in the video. Yeah, if I'm with McAfee. a bottle of champagne. Right. If I'm McAfee, I'm telling everyone it is my plane. <laughs> it probably is. I don't have a wheels up account. This is just my plane. Yeah. <laughs> Man, CJ Stroud made himself so much damn money in that game. Good So, so much. So good. And listen, you got to give the playoff committee some credit here, Mike, because they produced the greatest semifinals. I, we could sit here and debate Alabama. I think Alabama should have been in there. It still would have been a great semifinal with Alabama in there. Uh, but those two games, you got to give the playoff committee uh, credit because they got it right. They got it right, Mike. A lot of people didn't feel like TCU or Ohio State, myself included, as I pointed out, uh, didn't feel like both those teams or one of those teams was deserving of a spot. Uh, yet the uh, playoff committee seemed to get it exactly right. Which is kind of what they do every year. Like, I know the results haven't always been there, but however you break it down, a lot of people in this era of the college football playoff have longed for the BCS computers to come back. They were sick of the committee. They want this done cut and dry. If you look almost every year, they run the BCS computers and nearly every year it's the same final four that the playoff committee picks. Right. Like it's sort of the dirty secret is that for all that we get pissed off about in the lead up when it's the made for TV playoff committee event, they actually usually get it right towards the end. It's just this year, these teams deliver, right? George is a little bit more vulnerable in the secondary than we maybe give them credit for. You can go back to last year. Alabama was able to exploit them in the same way before they were just too banged up in the national championship game. And so this time around, Ohio State just decided we're going to play up to the fullest extent of our ability. C.J. Stroud's going to be as mobile as we've ever seen him playing quarterback for the Buckeyes. And they had Marvin Harrison Jr. until they didn't late in the third quarter. And it was a huge impact on the game when all of a sudden they took his helmet away, which Ohio State deserves a ton of credit for. Because you guys know it would be really easy for a lot of teams in a critical juncture like that to say, oh, yeah, he's fine. Let's send him back out there. The player's saying he's fine and not worried about it. They saw something, they checked that player in the tent, and they said, you're not going back in that game. Yeah. And it ended up being one of the things that was a reason their offense sputtered in the fourth quarter, but they still stuck by it. At the time, they pulled him. He had five catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns. And, and Ryan Day said after the game, of course it impacted the game. Um, still a game they should have won, though, Mike. And they got outscored by 15 points in the fourth quarter to lose that game. So, Yeah, no, uh, 100%. But uh, 
give credit to Georgia and like fourth quarter Stetson. I said, I joked this morning that for three quarters, he looked like a guy named Stetson. And in the fourth quarter, he was SB4. Like that dude just turned it on (laughs) and absolutely went off. In the fourth quarter alone, he was four for four for 152 yards and two touchdowns on throws of 15 or more yards. Just airing it out. They said, whatever, we'll just do it. They heated up CJ Stroud on the other side. And again, team that had been there before, like played with their food at some points during this year, ran into a really talented Ohio State team and found a way. For three quarters, you're right, Mike. Yeah, he looked like the guy who was getting ready to run his dad's hedge fund. I mean, he, <laughs> exactly. he, was, he was already there. And now, in the fourth quarter, he looked like a guy who might get selected in the first two rounds of the draft. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, and, Mike, all the quarterbacks who have come through the University of Georgia for Stetson Bennett third to be a guy who's on the verge of winning back-to-back national championships is insane. He's the worst of those quarterbacks. Listen. <laughs> It's Kirby's ultimate kink. We should have known when he kept sticking with Jake Fromm over Justin bleeping fields that Kirby had a type and Stetson is the most his type. And so it's always one of those things too, where people always talk about when you see a little guy in a group full of big badasses, Mm -hmm. that guy must've done some wild shit to ingratiate himself to that group. You look around Darnell Washington, their tight end, who unfortunately, I don't know if what's his availability for the championship game is. He was on the sideline with a boot in the second half of that game and got injured in that tight end room that he's the second best guy. The 6'7", 270-pound monster, a moose that happens to be able to catch footballs, is the second best tight end in that room to the guy who won the Mackey Award. And so that guy going down certainly affects it. But the fact that he exists in the same offense that is led by Stetson Bennett is insane. And a reminder what a shit, what wild sport football is. 23 of 34, 400 yards, three touchdowns for Stetson Bennett. It's unbelievable. Uh, Mike, before we get to the national championship game and a little NFL, uh, Jim Harbaugh, do you think he's back at Michigan next year? I don't know, man. The Colts job makes this really interesting. It does. So does Denver, I, by the way. Yeah, it's... If I had to call it, I would probably say yes. I feel like the simplest result is, hey, they've gotten this thing going in a big way at his alma mater. He's finally getting the love that he deserves around there. There's still that added competitive thing of wanting to get over the hump that you now have in the college football playoff semis now that you've gotten past the Ohio State hump and the Big Ten championship hump for the last couple of years. So I'd say he's probably back, but I also know trying to predict what Jim bleeping Harbaugh is going to do is sort of a fool's errand. So I wouldn't be shocked if all of a sudden he's wearing cleats on a cold sideline next year either. Um, no, it's going to be interesting to see what he does here. Cause he's gotten them to listen. He's done his job. He's made them relevant again. They're in back-to-back playoffs. They haven't won in the semifinals, but the NFL, like we all know where Jim Harbaugh was. Oh, they beat Ohio state twice. Right. And they beat Ohio state. Handily. Right. Stu Gotts, if I'm the Colts, blank check. Yeah. Blank Ursay check. will do that. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, I guess that's the thing, too, is like we know Ursay likes Colts guys clearly with the Jeff Saturday experiment here. He likes people that he knows. And man, the thing like now, Jim Harbaugh's been at Michigan so long that we forget he was sort of the program jump starting mercenary for a little bit there. Like, 
he comes in and he can shock you back into form really quickly. Now with Michigan, that was 10 win seasons for like three of the first four years. And then it sort of tailed off into the Ohio State problem that they recently solved. But it all took time. Usually, though, the thing with Jim Harbaugh that we always said, whether it was Michigan, Stanford, um, uh, San Francisco, was that guy comes in your building and in the next couple of years, you're going to get better in a hurry. And so for this Colts team, that's what you're begging for right now. You don't want to wait for this with a lot of the parts on your roster that are going to start to age in ways that you didn't predict quick. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be blank check offseason for them with him, I'd imagine. Uh, Mike, how do you size up this uh, this TCU Georgia game? I feel like we're going to spend uh, eight days making the same mistakes about TCU that we've been making the entire season. No way they're going to beat Georgia, and then they're going to go out and beat Georgia because they're really good TCU. So they're thirteen and a half point dogs on the That's opening incredible. line. That's insane. It's the largest. Wait, opening by the way, line... what do you think the line would be if they were playing Alabama? Probably Minus around the three. same. Now I'd say it'd probably I'd say it'd probably be close to a double digit line. If Georgia was playing Alabama. Oh, if Georgia was playing. Oh, if Georgia was playing Alabama, yeah, that'd be, a, that'd be a field goal game probably. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's 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 wild. I think I saw it's the largest um, opening line for a championship game since the 2002 BCS title. Wow. Which is crazy because my team played in a BCS title in that time. And you would have thought, like, I think the gold helped. But Stugatz, I do want you to close your eyes for a second. Like, imagine, like, listen to what I'm describing you and tell you how similar this sounds. You've got a team that started the season unranked, that won a bunch of crazy close games all throughout the year, that was led by one dominant side of the ball that included the Heisman Trophy runner-up, that's getting ready to face the defending national champion who's trying to make it two in a row coming off of an all-time classic in the game before. I have perfectly described 2022 TCU and 2012 Notre Dame to a T. <laughs> Notre Dame, number one defense in college right. football. Manti Teo, the runner-up to Johnny Manziel. Alabama and Georgia played a classic of an SEC championship before they rocked into that game against us in a season where we had to come back from like 28 against Pitt. We won goal line stands against Stanford. The game on the road against Oklahoma. Like, it, the stars aligning on this are wild for a team in Georgia who's trying to be the first Natty champ to repeat since 2011 and 2012 Alabama. So I hope it goes better for TCU. I believe they are capable of more, but man, on paper, that does worry me, the similarities. <laughs> but Mike, they just beat Michigan, who, just, who beat Ohio State. Like, I know we're, we're not supposed to do it this way. But Michigan, but but I do. Uh, but Michigan, <laughs> Michigan blew out Ohio State at Ohio State. TCU beat Michigan. It could have been a blowout. Um, Ohio State should have beaten Georgia. They should have beaten them. Um, and now you have TCU going on to play Georgia. And like I again, I feel like I'm not saying Georgia won't win. Georgia obviously can win. I think it's going to be a lot closer than 13 and a half points. Is what I'm saying. It feels to me like either Georgia blows them out or TCU wins very closely. No, but Mike, like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Year. If you've watched TCU all year, there are games where you thought they were going to get blown off the field, and then all of a sudden, minute 30 to go, and they're down three, driving for a game when he touchdown. That's how this team has played all year. I mean, Gojo's watched them. It 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 really is something they've. I've seen people describe Max Duggan as a right-handed Tim Tebow, and I don't think that comparison is like. Obviously, Tim Tebow is one of the best college football players of my lifetime, but in how they approach it, meaning not the most accurate passers on planet Earth, 
fast enough and tough enough to make it a problem for you in the running game and just a part of some of this gritty shit. Like, I can see Max Duggins being someone who grew up with a Tebow poster on his wall. I'll put it like that. I, I agree. Put it on the uh, poll. Did uh, Max Duggins grow up with a Tim Tebow poster on his wall? <laughs> Guy leaves every game exhausted, covered in dirt in the other team's <laughs> uniform colors. You go back to the Big right. 12 championship. Yes. He's on the sideline getting oxygen and shit. No, I believe you're right. I, I, it's great analysis by you. Uh, put us uh, put us there. Put us at the Notre Dame-South Carolina game. You're there. Dad's there. Dad told us he was all excited before he went. Darius Rucker was there. Uh, so put us there. And I know you're very excited. Dad's giddy about Sam Hartman, probably the best quarterback you've ever had at Notre Dame. You're giddy, too. Of course you are. Uh, let's do the game first. Um, put us there. What were you guys like? Were you fighting with Darius? Oh, yeah, it was shit-talking from the jump. And Stugat's overwhelmingly hostile environment, this was 80-20 South Carolina-Notre Dame, both where we were sitting with Darius and in the stadium in general. Like, it was all Gamecock colors down there. Notre Dame, which usually travels well for bowl games because this is the Gator Bowl, because it was Jacksonville, any number of reasons, just not super well attended on the Notre Dame side. But, uh, yeah, we were definitely in enemy territory. And... Honestly, Stugatz, going into this game, South Carolina had a ton of opt-outs at skill positions on both sides of the ball. Notre Dame was down. The quarterback that had been starting for most of the season for them, best tight end in school history, all-time sack leader on defense. And we were just like, all right, if we get an entertaining game, I'll be happy. Because to your point, we're really focused on what happens with that quarterback this offseason. The fact that we got a back-and-forth shootout that had two pick-sixes by Notre Dame in a game that we somehow still won with a quarterback that hadn't played since week two is insane. And we were letting everybody know it. I mean, me and Dad are sitting there twerking, twerking in front of Darius, showing off to the crowd i'm busting out every celebration i've ever seen a cool football player do because i was never good at them just shouting everybody down here we did end up making friends with the south carolina folks because as they pointed out we are both proud members of the we beat clemson pretty handily this season club and we were very much enjoying and wearing that but uh no we uh we definitely let everybody hear about this i will say that (laughs) i will say that i saw a picture of you on social media it looked like at the hotel and you have what i what i describe as domino's face it's when you're just that drunk where all you just want to say is give me some dominoes and you just look like that was about the level you were at in what looked like a hotel lobby that was post Domino's face. I had okay. already consumed. <laughs> you had already consumed the, the Domino's. Huh? I had already consumed the pizza, and so that glow mixed with the joy that you saw was a very drunk man enjoying a pizza in the lobby of the hotel. Who was drunker, you or Dad? Which one? <laughs> Oof, that's a tough call, man. Because yeah. it was me, my dad, my brother, and my brother-in-law. And my brother's got a six-month-old baby now. And so he had 24 hours where he didn't have to worry about waking up with the kid or taking care. And so he was ready to go and have a good time, which we all did. But that meant, all right, now me and dad are fired up. So... I will say we were both uh, we were both equally toasty at the end of that game. Uh, how about Rucker? How was he feeling? Darius Darius handled a lot better than we did, um, but man, he was the one that set the tone with the shit talking very early in well, this he game. He was up big. He should have, you know. He was up big, very confident. Spencer Rattler had been playing lights out down the back stretch of the season. Shane Beamer's been awesome for them. There's a, 
it was all there, the writing on the wall for him. And so it made it very sweet when we got to finish that game the way we did. Uh, all right, Kojo, just a little NFL. We'll get you out of here. We appreciate you doing this. Um, can you see it now, by the way? Can you see it? It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Tom Brady. They, <laughs> they both have cigarettes in their mouth. They're strolling into the NFC playoffs, and they're like, hey, all of you, get the f- out of here. It's going to be me versus Tom in Tampa, NFC championship game. <laughs> like, it makes me wonder, was it all an elaborate ruse? Yes. Like, was all of it? Tom Brady and all of the marital strife stories from this year, him and Mike Evans somehow seeming like they could never be on the same page. Mike Evans looking disinterested at certain points, Aaron Rodgers and all the articles about him and his young wide receivers. And all. Was it all just an elaborate ruse to get us to look away long enough for them to show up in the last two weeks of the season? Because Stugatz, we know that's all we needed was a little hit of the good stuff. One Tom Brady 400-yard passing game, one game where the Packers defense defense looked like the unit they were supposed to be at the start of the season it's i said it's like date it's like dating a boy where all you need is for them to do the bare minimum like send one nice text asking about your family it's like oh you know what he's changed we can make this work (laughs) that's where we're at with these teams going into the playoffs and i hate myself for biting on this And Levitard will tomorrow when I get to him. <laughs> oh, 100%. I can't imagine anyone is ready to fall back in love with Aaron Rodgers harder than Dan. Well, not only that, he said Tom Brady was finished 10 years ago, and he also said Tom Brady was finished five games ago. And so here he is with a home playoff game. And then, like, I promise you, oh, to be a fly on the wall when Dak Prescott realized, I got to go to Tampa and beat that guy. <laughs> Stugatz, Cowboys fans, I'm sure they'll actually talk about it because they know who they are at this point. They are a team that absolutely should beat that Tampa Bay team and absolutely probably will lose to them somehow because that seems to be the Cowboys' lot in life. (laughs) And then if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're like, (laughs) I mean, really? I got Brock Purdy versus Aaron Rodgers? (laughs) 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 Oh, I know, like, in all actuality, like, man, if you made me sit down and pick it, I won't in good conscience pick either of those teams to be to win. And I still won't be shocked when they make me look like a dumbass. Exactly. <laughs> Why, though? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, Stop honestly, betting against them. <laughs> the, the, Packer, the Packers, to me, have been much more of, like, a slow build to this point than Tampa Bay. Like, Stugatz, two weeks ago, I went with my dad. I was out in Arizona for Christmas. Sunday night football was Tampa Bay against this year's Cardinals team that already at that point was without Kyler Murray. This was the game where right after J.J. Watt announced that he was going to retire. And it took them to overtime to beat this year's Cardinals team. And I said, this is unserious football. I cannot in good conscience trust this team. And yet... They went out this week and all of a sudden made everyone forget that against the Panthers team that had kind of been streaking. So I I think the Packers have built this much more steadily. The offense and Aaron Rodgers have been much more competent in the last few weeks. It was the defense that really stood up and surprised in this game, the way they were able to go out and completely erase Justin Jefferson. Uh, Mike, how do you size up the AFC? Because I think it's, you know, we have a big game tonight. You have Bills and Bengals. Uh, seeding is still very important. Uh, So these are all big games here. Buffalo needs to win tonight. Cincinnati needs to win tonight. Uh, So all these games are going to have some meaning. Even next week's games for most of these teams are going to have a lot of meaning. But, Mike, we're headed – like, I want you to think about this for just a second, okay? Think about what I'm about to tell you. In the AFC, you have Josh Allen. 
You have Joe Burrow. You have Patrick Mahomes. I named, I haven't gotten, okay? <laughs> I haven't gotten the Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson yet, okay? Or Trevor Lawrence now. Or Trevor Lawrence. If they make it, they play Tennessee. The winner gets to the playoff. Jacksonville's going to win that game. Like, this could be the greatest collection of quarterbacks in the conference ever, Mike. It's great. It's going to be so much fun. You could potentially have a semifinal that includes Herbert, Allen, Mahomes, and Burrow. So awesome. It's it's incredible. I know people have pointed out a lot this year because the NFC has been hit by the injury bug. And so you've had backups going out there and trying to win games. You mentioned Brock Purdy. We had Gardner Minshew at the helm for the Eagles. Um, you know, you go on and on down this list, the Geno Smith resurgent year, Daniel Jones, who was a first round pick playing like it. But on the other side, it's just straight up studs. So, yeah, the AFC picture is interesting. I think um, – Buffalo, as long as Josh Allen continues to trend healthier, like I go all the way back. This is still a guy that's been playing that had a UCL injury that was almost Tommy John worthy. It was described at during the season. Like that's a big deal for a guy that's as physically gifted as him. But you look at the rest of that team, much more complete roster in a lot of ways than Kansas City, who is really just working on the strength of Mahomes right now. Like, the defense has been able to do the timely spag stuff that we're used to. But in general, it's just Mahomes playing. Like, Mahomes should win the MVP this year. He would absolutely be my pick to win MVP this year. He has been sensational on a team that just said, hey, Tyreek Hill, we'll see you later. We'll replace you with one of every kind of receiver here. And it'll work because we've got a half a billion dollar quarterback that actually makes that contract look like a bargain the way that he plays football. So I would say the Bills would probably be the smart pick. I think the Chiefs are a team that I'm going to have a tough time betting against because of Pat. And I think the Bengals, it's going to depend on health because we already saw Lel Collins, their right tackle, went down on an O-line that had been gelling down the stretch of the season. But when they're healthy, they got two of the best wide receivers in football in Chase and Higgins and a defense that has really been underrated, especially along the defensive line for most of the back half of this season. Agreed. For my money, they have the best quarterback in football, so I'm going to take the Bengals to get back to the Super Bowl. I've been saying that all year. I just think Burrow's that good. I don't think he cares about who's there, who's not there, where he's playing, who he's playing against. He's just like, give me the ball, let's go play. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, how it it's, yeah, it's really interesting, but too, like, I think what we talked about, like, the Bengals are now just legit contender three weeks ago they were the team nobody wanted to face and the team you were worried about in the postseason that team's now the chargers yes like yeah the chargers get right. the chargers getting healthy at the right time activated joey bosa the other day it sounds like they have a shot to get rashawn slater their starting left tackle back down this stretch of the season like if all of a sudden that team and that quarterback show up in the playoffs the way they had going back to the miami game a few sunday nights ago that's a scary out again they shouldn't be favored against a lot of the teams we've talked about here but they're starting to look like the team that we all looked at at the beginning of the season before the injury bug hit them and said yeah they're they're going to go out here and knock on some doors yeah but austin eckler will join us on god bless football Ooh. this week uh and, and mikey yeah you know he's going to do this i'm going I'm to ask him how'd you play this week it is like, uh, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> I, I left some yards on the field. Right. Nobody does this every week. The guy has great game after great game. And then he's like, yeah. He had 10 carries, 122 yards. I think he maximized his carries. Okay. <laughs> Two touchdowns, by the way, to 72-yard touchdown. Just, a, uh, just before, a bit. Yeah, just a bit. They're good. You're right. Justin Herbert strolling into town. <laughs> I love the, the idea of quarterbacks just strolling into your stadium and scaring the living shit out of your entire city. Like, don't tell me Philadelphia if they get the bomb. 
buy, okay? They're going to be sitting there for two weeks going, shit, here comes Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Ooh, Stugatz, this is the question. Who's the best quarterback strolling into the stadium? Like the quarterback you least want to see strolling. I'm not saying actual quality of play. I'm saying the walk into the stadium because I'm not going to lie. Joe Burrow is going to – like. Joe I, Burrow I, is number one. I, I think Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in football. I think Joe Burrow might be near the top of the strollers, along with Jalen Hurts. Jalen yeah. Hurts, I think, underrated stroller right now, even if he's in the MVP conversation. But you see how this works against Hurts, because in comes the KG vet Aaron Rodgers after winning his, you know, winning nine straight games to get to the playoffs, and then winning his first round game against San Francisco, and he's relaxed, and he's been here before, and he's strolling into Philadelphia, and Hurts has never been here before, okay? Not in, not in the NFL, and Hurts is like, this is who I gotta play? That guy? I gotta play that guy? guy jesus christ you know it well and now that he got a haircut i feel like that drastically improves the stroll because right. it was going to be a lot harder with that weird like alabama swoop haircut he had before yeah all right let's get out of here enjoy the rest of our day before we do so mike there was some news uh that you shared with me and golik before about yeah that. so uh we were talking about it earlier and according to bruce feldman nicole Auerbach, and austin meek sources close to jim harbaugh believe it's a done deal if he gets an nfl offer and he'll get one. He'll get one, Jojo. Oh, God. Well, get at least, least one. He'll get five. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Michigan, I hope you had fun. Like, I'm glad you appreciated <laughs> the last couple. I, that's, that becomes really interesting now, too, is who all of a sudden is in line for the Michigan job after Urban this. Meyer. Oh, <gasps> it, there's no way. It would be the greatest hire in the history of hires if that school hired Urban Meyer. <laughs> what an it's not going to happen, but it'd be great. What an all-time heel turn that would, would be, be by Urban Meyer, who's been on that big noon kickoff so openly, like for Ohio State yeah. against all those USC guys. This, yeah. uh, I'll be interested to see the names that get thrown out of there. Matt Campbell at Iowa State. I wonder if this is finally where someone comes and is able to get him out of there. That program probably hit its peak around the pandemic, and he's like, I don't know. Of the candidates left, is he the best one that's out there for Michigan at this point? Like, I don't know. Um, but let me just a quick yes or no from both of you, Mikey. A you first. Does Urban Meyer make the call to Michigan? Just yes or no. Does does he make a call? Yes or no. Yes. Yes, Mike. Yes. Junior. <laughs> I'll say he makes the call. Um, you know what? No, I will say no. I don't think he makes the call. Really? So, oh, suddenly he has suddenly he has morals. Like, so, like no, I can't do that. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> He's making oh, a call. what a final act that would be from Urban Meyer. Good what God. What a great hire it'd be for Michigan. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> it would be so funny if they did that. Uh, before we get out of here, this is why betting bowl season, I haven't heard back from the bookie yet. It's under review. Uh, but this is why betting bowl season uh, is a tricky game. Uh, there is a bowl game going on, and I bet. So it's LSU and Purdue, Mike, okay? It's happening as we do this. LSU-Purdue. I took Purdue in this game. My theory was Purdue desperately wants to play in this game. LSU, this is not where they want to be. They don't want to play in this game. They had their sights set on making it to the college football playoff two and a half weeks ago. Uh, here they are playing, you know, January 2nd in a game that no one cares about. So I bet Purdue, and I told our audience to bet Purdue. Would you guys like to know the score uh, midway through the second quarter? Oh, no. <laughs> it's 21-0 LSU. <laughs> God bless God. football. God bless football. <laughs> <laughs>
lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. You know another thing that hasn't changed? Is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Ah, I don't remember it like it was yesterday. Sitting back in my dad's pickup truck, me and my dad, Pappy, it's my granddad, I used to call him, fishing at the pond. I remember dad and Pappy going back and forth saying, what is it about this new Miller Lite? Is it that it's less filling or is it the great taste? What I wouldn't give to go back to those times. But you know one thing that Miller Lite does? Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com GBF. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Lite Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs and premium regular beer.